0: No more room in hell. The dead
1: will walk here. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Hey, thanks for tuning in to Body Count, the podcast for theblackesteyes.com. My name is Philip, and on the line with me, we have Danny and Scott. And this is a place where we try to have intelligent conversation about horror movies. And as always, we're very glad that you have joined us tonight for the program. And if you haven't already, be sure to go to our website, bookmark it, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to the podcast. You can do that at our website at theblackesteyes.com or search for us on any podcatcher, whatever your favorite. Take a look and you'll find us there. Thanks for being with us. Good to be with you guys tonight. And guys, I have a special announcement to make. Um, Pretty proud of this. Yesterday was Father's Day when we're recording this. Yesterday was Father's Day. And to celebrate, my wife and I finished watching the remaining episodes that we had left of The West Wing. We've been working through it now for several months, and last night was the night we finished it. And what I want to say to you is, I'm incredibly depressed that it's over, so I mm. wish we hadn't finished it. Have you ever had that kind of experience before?
0: That's a, Usually for me, it's with like a book series. Get to the end of the book series, I'm like, oh man, I was... I have no other books to go to now. Yeah.
1: yeah. We loved it, though. It that. was great. Yeah.
2: I never watched that show. Oh, it was great. I love yeah.
1: presidential history anyway. And Martin Sheen is just fantastic as President Bartlett. And um, what was his name? Spencer. Is it Robert Spencer? It was so good as the chief of staff, Leo McGarry. It's just a great, great series. I, as a matter of fact, I think it may be the only multiple season, like, mul- that I've seen every episode now of the entire run of the show. I don't think I've done that with anything else. So it was a benchmark for me and, uh, you know, it was good. What have y'all watched lately? Anything good?
0: I've been watching that, uh, DC universe, uh, star girl series. Yeah. And, uh, enjoying it. It's, it's probably got the best, uh, tone of any of the DC superhero ones. It's not the, uh, ultra serious dark it's, it feels like a comic book movie uh, all the actors are fun i i'm enjoying that
2: cool what do you go we usually like to if we're not watching sitcoms we watch like british crime dramas and we just uh, watch several or all, the whole run of something called shetland and it's based on novels, but it's 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 scot it's Scottish. I mean, they're in mm-hmm. Scotland, and it is it's just really good. If you like like detectives and police dramas, it's a little different kind of setting, being up in the Shetland Islands, up in uh, northern northern Scotland. But the characters are great, the stories are great. It's just a really good show. So we we recently watched that. Cool.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. I have a colleague who is just in love with anything that's British at all, but he loves British comedy, loves British crime stories. And so he would be right there with you. He's totally into all of
2: that. It's pretty cool. They do a good job, I think.
1: Well, tonight we have an announcement to make here on Body Count concerning the podcast, uh, the show. And after a short break, after this particular episode, We're going to be returning with you uh, for more horror movie reviews, but the formatting of the program is going to be just a bit different. So here are a few changes that we're going to make, and we want to uh, let you know these today so you can know what's coming. First, we're gonna be dropping the name Body Count, and we will start simply calling the podcast The Blackest Eyes. Now, the site was originally suited for written reviews and writing commentaries and uh, writing a variety of things concerning horror movies and what we think about what's going on in the industries and things like that. But over time, it's evolved into primarily a website devoted just to the podcast itself. So we're going to simply call it The Blackest Eyes. Now, that's not to say that we might not still have opportunities to write reviews and make commentary and whatnot. Uh, But Danny, tell us about your site a little bit. This will be a little bit of a uh, plug for some other things that you've got going on. We're still going to have a venue to uh, publish some of these things because Danny has a site uh, that he owns and writes for. So tell us a little bit about what you've gone on in addition to The Blackest Eyes.
0: Okay. uh, Yeah, so we're going to... I have a website called uh, nerdbloggers.com. It's www.nerdbloggers.com. Real straightforward. And uh, and it's basically our, our tagline has always been all things nerdy. Uh, mostly there uh, we have writers that cover science fiction, uh, comic books, uh, video games. I wrote, write mostly about board games there. I'm a board game enthusiast. But uh, So what we're going to do in the future is carve out a... Uh, A section of the site for horror films for uh, so that way Phil and Scott and I can do our horror film writing there it'll have a home and uh, we'll brand it the you know the Blackest Eyes section or something like that I'm actually looking forward to it maybe that'll inspire us to do a little bit more writing
1: yeah so piggybacking on that our website then theblackesteyes.com will be getting a new design transforming into a more streamlined clean easy to navigate site that will clearly display the podcast seasons and the podcast titles for a simple, effective, efficient uh, listening experience. So when you go to our website, you, you won't be able to see the written reviews anymore. It's primarily gonna be podcast related, but as you just heard, we're still going to have a platform to get some of those written reviews out there so you still have access to them, and we're looking forward to that. And then third, we're gonna start recording what will be The Blackest Eyes, in seasons. And each season is going to host six episodes of the podcast, and it will be themed in a particular direction. We might focus on a specific subgenre, or we might focus on films of a particular director, or we might focus on our favorite films, our top six favorite films or something like that, or go by decade or whatnot. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to keep things a little bit more focused, a little bit tighter, and it'll also allow us to have some break times to promote the next season and so forth, and we hope that you will enjoy that. Um, Definitely give us feedback on what you think as we get rolling, Uh, but that's what you can see coming up in in the future, and our first season of The Blackest Eyes is going to be titled The Exorcist and Its Offspring. So obviously we're going to be talking about and reviewing and sharing thoughts on movies concerning exorcism, all kinds of things to talk about in exorcism movies. There's some really great ones and some really bad ones, and we'll probably review all the the whole spectrum Uh, as it comes to exorcism movies. We'll pick six, and we'll go for it. So yeah, looking forward to that, guys. It's going to be a new approach, going to be a lot of fun, and um, be looking for that. We'll probably be a couple of weeks away from that, Uh, the new The new take on the blackest eyes so be sure to follow Uh, follow us on those uh, on the website and social media and whatnot but tonight we're going to be talking about the invisible man 2020 this was released uh this year 2020 the invisible man and with either of you guys uh i can give a summary or either of you guys just feeling really excited about giving a summary of the film you can go for it you want me to do it okay Let me grab a sip of Coke here from my local Speedway. Just a little plug there for you. All right. The Invisible Man, 2020. Uh, Cecilia Cass is uh, in an abusive relationship. She is portrayed by Elizabeth Moss, and she's in an abusive relationship with a guy named Adrian, and she creates a plan to leave him. So she drugs him one night with a bunch of diazepam and makes a run for it. And she ends up getting picked up in the middle of the street by her sister, picked up in a car. And uh, they rush off. They actually don't rush off. The sister just kind of sits there for a while while Adrian tries to beat in the window and then she decides to leave. Uh, But anyway, they take off and Cecilia is taken to a friend's house who just so happens to be a police detective whose name is James. And James has a teenage daughter named uh, Sydney. And Adrian, the abusive boyfriend, as it turns out, a couple of days later, apparently commits suicide, presumably because he's so distraught over Cecilia leaving him. And uh, he leaves five million bucks to Cecilia, right? So fairly impressive. Uh, I guess we should mention that Adrian was a brilliant researcher in the field of optics and was extremely wealthy, obviously. Uh, So uh, by the way, I thought his work area in his home where he was working on his optic suit and everything looked something like Tony Stark's Iron Man workshop. We can talk about that later. Uh, Adrian has a brother whose name is Tom. Tom is uh, an attorney. He's handling the estate. And as he is doing the paperwork to get the $5 million to Cecilia, he warns her that if she is convicted of a crime, she'll forfeit the money. And it isn't long until Cecilia begins to feel the presence of someone in the house with her. And she deduces that Adrian has discovered a way to make himself invisible and that, in fact, he is not really dead. Well, things start going crazy quickly. The action picks up. There are some incredibly brutal scenes, such as when Adrian kills Emily, uh, Cecilia's sister, with a knife in a restaurant and then places the knife in Cecilia's hands, making it look like she uh, was guilty of murder. Uh, Cecilia ends up in a mental hospital but it is announced to her by Tom that all charges will be dropped if she will simply return to Adrian, which of course makes no sense because how can you drop the charges on a murder conviction? But anyway, she eventually sets up a meeting where he and Adrian are alone. She's wearing a microphone. James is listening, you know, in surveillance or whatever. And Cecilia ends up killing Adrian the way he killed Emily, but she makes it look like it's a suicide because she is now cleverly wearing the outfit that makes her invisible so it looks like adrian killed himself and uh yeah that's kind of the film it's it's not so much one of these films where adrian walks through uh some sort of you know nuclear uh reactor that exploded or something and it turns his body invisible because of the molecular construction no, he just created a suit, some kind of optic suit that makes him invisible, kind of like the invisible cloak from uh, Harry Potter, and uh, starts tormenting this poor girl, but she's able to turn it around and get the, get the last laugh, as it were. So that's kind of a summary. Let's talk about just the movie in general first, like we normally do, thoughts, uh, portrayals. Daniel, we'll start with you, buddy. What did you think about The Invisible Man? Did you enjoy the film, and what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed the film. I, I have issues with the ending that you've talked about there, and we'll we'll get to that eventually. But um, I just I found the the basic setup the uh, the abused wife who escapes but then is you know continues to be tormented by the person she escaped. I found it incredibly compelling. I felt for the the character. Uh, I thought uh, the people around her behaved in ways that. Uh, seemed realistic and had emotional weight to them and, until they didn't. And again, we'll talk about that in a bit. I think some things fall apart close to the end of the movie, but, uh, uh I, I really, I, I thought the, uh, the, they made the ideal of an invisible assailant, incredibly weighty and, uh, and frightening in a way that a lot of invisible presence movies aren't able to pull off, uh, I thought it did a really good job, and not so many of the tropey things of how you are able to see things that are invisible with, you know, flower and, you know, there, there is a little bit of that, but it, it it is there is definitely not as much of the of scenes that I expected to see. They they avoided a lot of them.
2: Yeah, Scott, what do you think? Yeah, I really liked it. Um, uh, it it's carried by. The protagonist uh, played by Elizabeth Moss. She just does a terrific job. All, I think all the performances are good, but she's you know, she's in every scene and it's a pretty, t- you know, sort of a trigger warning here. I mean, it's about, it's intense. I mean, she's being stalked by her husband who she's trying to um, evade. And, um, you know, it reminded me very much, I don't know if you guys ever saw this movie, 1991, a movie called Sleeping with the Enemy starring Julia Roberts and Patrick oh, yeah. Bergen. And it's very similar, except for the invisible suit. Um, he stalks, she escapes, he's rich, she escapes, almost dies, and he start, He finds her, and he starts stalking her, but nobody believes her that he's out there. And, you know, he leaves little clues around the house that only she will recognize and to really mm-hmm. freak her out. I mean, it's got all those elements in it, uh, and it was made 30 years ago. But it doesn't have the invisible suit, and... and um, I what another thing I liked about this movie is the suspense. It builds suspense and carries those scenes really well. I thought there was one kind of a cheap shot in terms of building up suspense, which maybe we can talk about later. But I think generally, it you know the building of suspense and you know tense, a lot of tension. I think was um, was there and was pretty successful. And the action sequences when this when when she does finally. Begin to engage with um, Adrian, and um, as he's invisible and she's trying to escape him and trying to kill him and all these things, um, the action I thought was pretty pretty exciting. So I I liked it. I thought it was a really good movie.
1: I thought the same thing you did concerning Sleeping with the Enemy. Even their house with the the, the last the large glass windows that looked out over the beautiful, um, you know uh, the. Nature, I think it's sleeping with them, they're on the ocean. But yeah. it was yeah. very similar, uh, even in that approach. Um, I thought it was scary. I thought it was uh, the suspense was good. You know, one thing I liked about it, though, uh, th- the pacing was good. I agree with you; the suspense built. But one thing I liked about it was it didn't take her forever to figure out what was going on. And they could have gone that route. They could have had a significant amount of the movie. She, some things are off, and they're off, and she's, she knows something's wrong. But, you know, she actually figures out fairly quickly, this is Adrian, and he's invisible. <laughs> which which you might not think would be the first thing that somebody... But it doesn't take her long, does it, to figure yeah. out what's going on. And uh, I found that. I'm glad they did that, because let's get to the heart of the matter, that there is someone here I can't see and that's going to really create a scary film because she knows she's fighting against air so to speak Uh, so I really enjoyed that Um, the the scene in the restaurant with Emily was totally brutal I was not anticipating that wasn't ready for that that was incredibly hardcore I've got some issues here and there but overall I thought it was a fantastic movie. Elizabeth Moss is just unbelievable. Now, I just told you I've I've finished The West Wing. She plays the president's daughter in The West Wing and has a not insignificant role throughout the series. And she was so good in that. It was just a joy to watch her in The Invisible Man take her acting to the next level with a truly uh, just eliciting all kind of emotion in her. And I think this is one of those films, maybe you guys could speak to this, is one of those films that if you are experiencing a relationship where there is abuse, uh, where there is emotional and physical abuse, this is a film, especially at the beginning, that I think would, would really pull some triggers, maybe in an unhealthy way. I would almost give a warning uh, to, to a person who's trying to get out of a relationship or is currently in one and doesn't know what to do. This could be a hard movie to watch, uh, if you're wrestling with those feelings or if you're trying to, to to deal with your feelings in an appropriate way you guys know what I mean I just thought the beginning was super powerful what do you what do you think yeah, I
0: think absolutely and uh, where I teach uh, the college I teach I, I end up with lots of uh, of students who come from uh, you know who are getting their lives back together and you're know, coming from abusive relationships and some of the you know the journal entries and 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 papers i read about it are just so devastating and when i teach my horror class this would probably be a film i would avoid i I teach almost everything because i I think students can handle almost everything but man this one's got some real emotional issues that at the very least i would give strong strong uh, warnings at the beginning of the section
1: Mm, yeah you know, we don't even know what's happening at the beginning. The film starts with her leaving, the plan that she has come up with, and she's enacting the plan. We've not seen abuse. We've not seen a raised voice. We've not seen physical contact. We don't know what's going on, but we are still scared to death. We we have deduced, of course, that she's getting away from something that is not good with this guy, and those opening scenes give you just a couple of the, the the door opens just enough where you think he might be there, or he might turn that corner, or he's going to be down the hallway. And every time, no, he's still asleep. He's still asleep. And then the car alarm goes off. What a fantastic opening sequence of the film, Scott. Did that did, did that resonate with you at the oh, beginning?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, I uh, you know, I mentioned sleeping with the enemy. I actually did think of that almost right away um, because it opens the same way, where she's sneaking out of the or. I don't know if it opens exact, but pretty early in the movie with Julia Roberts, she's sneaking out and she ends up in the ocean. And whereas uh, Elizabeth Moss does not end up in the ocean, you know she, you know the house is near an ocean, so there was a lot of visual signals and the way she was sneaking around. You do, you didn't see abuse yet, but you could tell she was scared. That's right. She was very afraid of waking her husband or this man up, and so her fear was communicated. Through the screen, and it made me nervous. It made me anxious too. I yeah, want to if... honestly.
0: The first. Oh, I'm sorry, but the first that opening section is just about perfect. Like, you finish that opening section, and you're on that character side. From you know, you're with her. You're going to ride with her the rest of the movie. It's got the perfect amount of tension of you know fright of you know p- potential for. For jump scares, like, it's just, it is a very well put together first 15 minutes of a movie.
1: Yeah, it's the best opening sequence that I've seen in a long time. And I think that one of the things that that, that struck me about it is that every aspect of it, the video, the, 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 her camera, she's watching, she's got a video camera, she can see if he's still asleep you want her to get out of that house but she had to do x y and z before she could get out of the house and it seemed like it went on and on and she had to do the next thing and walk down the next hall and get the next book bag and put her clothes on and every time she's doing one of these things she's looking back at her phone and it's just like i can't take it anymore just get out of the house which she eventually does but let's talk now about her sister so she's picked up by emily her sister uh, in the middle of the street. You don't really know what she's doing, just standing in the middle of the road. And, the, and then you're oh, okay, I see. And she's picked up by her sister. Uh, of all the characters, I think everybody did a good job, but of all the characters, her sister Emily is the one that I guess I had the most problems with. It almost seems like, even when she picks Cecilia up, that she's she has this look almost of what what am I here for and what's going on and is this really necessary? And Adrian shows up, not happy, because the car alarm went off, and he woke up, and now boom, there he is, and he's, like, punching the window, and Emily balks and doesn't take off right away. Maybe she was just scared. I mean, we could maybe give her a break here, but maybe I'm projecting, I don't know, but didn't you sense that that was going to maybe set the stage for Emily to be a character that is there for her sister, and yet... There's still just this piece of uncertainty in Emily about about the whole thing that, of course, comes to a head later when that email is sent that wasn't really sent by Cecilia. What did you think, Scott, of the the, the first time you see Emily and their interaction together? How did that work for you?
2: Well, okay, so she's in the car. I didn't, you know, you don't know at first that it's her sister. You just, you know, you, I was thinking maybe it's her friend. Yeah, and then. You know right after that you know it says on the screen two weeks later and she's standing and she's in the house where with her friend james and her and his daughter sydney and uh, cecilia they call her c she's you know afraid he's gonna her husband's gonna track her down and okay so the sister comes emily and is going to deliver this news like you said in the synopsis that adrian has committed suicide and i at first didn't know it was the same person that drove her in the car it you know I didn't didn't make that connection the right way but do you remember that part where she comes into uh, James's house and when Emily starts to talk with C it seems like they don't have a great relationship yeah uh, I, I, and so I knew there was something not kosher nothing or not quite copacetic between the two sisters but you don't know what it is
0: there's actually kind of the impression that she was saying, "Now look what you did! You got him to kill himself." That's exactly but right. It, it felt like that to me, at least. And then, so later on, when she has this, I just just a, a reaction to the to the email. Uh, so there, she sends an email saying, and "She has, you know, you're a terrible human being, this and all that stuff," and and the sister just buys it, like it, and you know when. When uh, Caesarea goes to her and says, no, I didn't really send it, she doesn't believe her. And it's like there's so little – I just can't even imagine being in that situation. I would have a sister coming to me and, and having that reaction. Um, that was – one of two things that really bothered me was the characterization of the sister. It just felt – I felt almost unrealistic to me. Or you wonder that there's an untold story between them from the past.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you remember um... – later in the movie because what what we learn is that Adrian's the husband is alive and he's invisible and he did he sent an email from C's computer to Emily saying I hate you get out of my life I wish you were dead. Emily buys it thinks thinks her sister sent this. But he's doing that he does other things too to alienate all of C's friends and she says a couple times that's what he does. He makes everybody think i'm crazy he, he you know he turns everyone against me so you know i i guess somehow i kind of plugged those things together and thought that you know maybe if emily doesn't have a good relationship with her it, you know, maybe Adrian has been doing this all along and has been making all of her friends and family think that she's nuts or she's a bad wife or whatever it is.
0: And he may just be so good at finding what to say that, uh, you know, to trigger that kind of reaction.
2: Yeah. Well,
1: once again, it's the reality is the realistic nature of this film, because that's exactly what abusers do. Right. Yeah, they right, alienate exactly. you from other people and then they make you feel like you are dependent on them because mm-hmm. where else are you going to go? But back to uh, the abuser. Uh, so very good. I was very insightful. I think that's uh, very helpful. Uh, you know, the way that Adrian uses his invisibility uh, with Cecilia, he doesn't really gaslight her for very long, making her think she's crazy. Once the diazepam shows up, at that point, what other option could there be, right? I mean, it, it, again, and she figures this out very quickly. He's alive mm-hmm. and something weird is going on here. And it's also interesting to me that he's invisible, but he's not silent. So these were hardwood floors in the house. So when he walked, you could hear him and if he was going to touch something, it would make a noise. Um, That was interesting to me because the soundtrack of the film, when he's in the room, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but if when he's in the room, the soundtrack of the film allowed you to feel the presence through the audio that he was in fact in the room, especially the first couple of times he makes his appearance and he's walking. Uh, It was very, very effective. So did you notice, did you notice the, the, the audio cues uh, when his presence was known that also alerted Cecilia to the fact that somebody was there? Did you guys pick up on that?
0: Right. The, The sound design was really, really well done. You sort of this sort of this crunchiness of the of the feet on the floor that, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I did notice and thought it thought it was great. Uh, there's also it gave the impression that all of his behavior gave the impression that, you know, he wanted her to know he was there. That's right. And he knew he was kind of not just invisible. He was invincible, right? Because no one was going to believe her. He had faked his death. No one, and so, you know, uh, unless they believed it was a ghost, then they're not going to believe his, his wife.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I can't, the I didn't I didn't catch those audio kind of cues that you were mentioning. I you know, right away um you, let me wait, let me ask you this. Did yeah. you listen to it with headphones or did you watch it on the TV? No, I watched it. On, um I watched I did not have headphones and I did not watch it on TV. I watched it on my laptop with the, with an external speaker.
1: Yeah, so I had headphones on with the audio cranked. And mm. so it's, it's, it's there. Okay. It's, it's yeah. really pretty, pretty cool how they did it. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say that, um, you know, she, she, cause you know, you commented Philip, that she pretty quickly figures out that he's invisible and well, the first time he appears to her, it's like. You know, it reminded me of paranormal activity, you know, when they're sleeping and the blanket just pulls down and there's no one there and he's watching them sleep. Well, you know, she sees she sees foot feet, you know, know, on footprints on the sheet. And so she's thinking, what is that? You know, and then, um, yeah, I think there was like the floor squeaking and stuff. She didn't. Then another time right at the beginning when he appears or doesn't appear she's out on the front porch it's cold and you can see her breath you know uh, the mist of her breath and you can see someone behind her yeah. breathing but there's no person there she didn't catch that but but she there are things um that make it either this either she is going crazy or she is seeing a ghost or adrian is still there and she 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 knew all along that he was not gonna let her get away yeah,
0: yeah. And I think it was incredibly menacing that so many of those scenes took place with uh, uh, Sydney in the room with someone else. Yeah. You knew he was an incredible threat. Like he had, he, he, he people were going to die, or he was going, he, he was going to damage people because he he did not care to, you know, to risk that someone else would catch him.
1: True. And one of the ways, of course, that he begins to alienate uh, her friends from her is uh he slaps sydney (laughs) he slaps the daughter and what defense are you going to have it wasn't me it was my invisible boyfriend (laughs) who slapped your daughter that's so frustrating as the viewer isn't it when Mm -hmm. we know what's going on and there's no way we can help her out we can't come to her defense we can't shout through the television screen to let James know uh, in fact, it was an invisible person who's wearing a suit or something. And those scenes usually drive me crazy, but they work so, so well.
0: well. One of the things I don't know if you even noticed, but I think the reason they work so well is they build in just enough deniability. Sydney kind of should have noticed that she was too far away from her to have smacked her. She hmm. was just a little too far away for that to even possibly been what happened. Yeah. And throughout the movie, any when he's doing stuff, it should be obvious to the people that that's happening. But but you don't you don't it's, your mind is not going to believe something supernatural. Right. You're, you're built to believe that is all fantasy. And I think they did a brilliant job of just keeping keeping it so frustrating. Yeah, it didn't get drawn out either. And that could have easily happened where there was a whole movie where people weren't believing or all this happens in a very it's not a long movie. And the action is pretty compressed.
2: So before we get too far into the plot or the film, um, when she's staying with James and before all the bad stuff really starts happening, there's, you know, it's it it's Monday morning and she's cooking breakfast in the kitchen. C is. And James, is you know, comes in, smells the bacon and goes off to work. And he says, go wake up, Sydney. <laughs> and then she goes off screen. The camera stays focused on the kitchen, and the, you're watching the bacon start to fry and, and smoke, and the flames begin to overtake the pan. And she's just gone for a long time, and you hear nothing. You know, she went to go wake up Sydney. You don't hear anything. And then this, you know, the fire starts to go crazy, and, and suddenly both Sydney and C run back in, and they, they put it out for me that was manipulative of the director why give us that scene where you're just tormented thinking that you know because i thought the reason that c went off scene and you didn't hear anything I, I expect her to be screaming and that sydney would be butchered in her bed or something I, that's what i was you know expecting so and then it wasn't you know it was kind of a bait and switch for me um right there early in the film
0: they just turned up the the uh, the heat enough to cause the bacon to burn. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't actually get that. I was, again, I was incredibly frustrated at the, uh, you know, I I think the situation is incredibly frustrating. If you have an an invisible tormentor, uh, then it's, you know, it's kind of like Superman in the DC things. He's too powerful to, to really, for me to have any kind of emotional connection to. It's hard to deal with the fact that you've got an invisible tormentor. So, so I, I'm, I'm like completely enraged at at him for the entire movie just for having this ability.
1: <laughs> well, it, that beginning with the bacon wasn't that the first time that he did something manipulative as the Invisible Man?
2: I think so. Or it's pretty. Yeah, I think so. Because they have well, started the, to go. That's yeah. the
1: kind of stuff. Like that is gaslighting. That's the kind of stuff I thought he would be doing. A lot more of. Right. Just making her think of the breathing or whatever. But he, he moves pretty quickly to, no, it's me. You know, what are you going to do about it? And she figures it out pretty quickly. But oh, yeah, that was, th- you know, she, she goes, <laughs> she first goes to throw water on it. And it's actually yeah. the Sydney, the teenager, who's like, no, don't do that. That's yeah. going to make it bad. And she yeah. takes care of it, which was uh, interesting. But let, let's talk for just a minute about this suit. Um, the movie does not provide an explanation doesn't need to as to how Adrian, who apparently is uh, a brilliant researcher in, uh, in the field of optics, has created a suit uh, where you cannot be seen and it works perfectly. Um, you know, w- what about the military-industrial complex here? Um, you think he might be able to make a few dollars on this suit, mm-hmm. you know, but instead he's just hanging on to it in case his girlfriend leaves him? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you think his intent was with this thing? And uh, it's a, a pretty scary idea that this could actually exist, you know. Um, it's sad it's, that
0: this has become kind of a trope in movies that uh, men of power you know, develop this a technology and then what they use it for is tormenting women. Yeah. Uh, uh, Invisible Man movies have been that way almost since the beginning. Uh, you know, from the from the '60s on, at least there's been Invisible Man movies where one of the things that the people do when they're able to get invisible is, you know, go watch women in the shower or, uh, you know or you know, start tormenting women. It's, well, it's yeah. such a common plot.
2: And that's one of the things that that stuck out to me because it wasn't that long ago I read the novels of H.G. Wells, so I remember reading the story, The Invisible Man, and you know, so he. What happens is, and where it's different from the, and this is very loosely based on that concept of H.G. Wells' novel. Um, a few years ago, there was also uh, Hollow Man. You remember that with Kevin Bacon? Sure. That was another Invisible Man movie. That actually is as campy as that one was. And that's a super, that's an inferior movie to the one we're talking about tonight, Hollow Man. But um, it, in in some thematic ways, it's closer to the novel because in the novel. The guy starts out as basically an okay person but once he has the power to be invisible i mean what would you do if you knew you wouldn't be seen mm-hmm. and it, it it's really about the the heart the corruption of the human heart that you know that oh i can get away with this and the hollow man does that and here in this movie he's already a bad guy he's already abusive to her and objectifying her and uh... has her under his thumb and the as far as we know, he hasn't used the suit to do that to her. So maybe he was make you know until after she runs away. So maybe he was making it for the military, but then found a personal use for it.
1: Well, you, yeah. So, so worldview perspective. That's you, you hit a you hit the nail on the head. The question that I asked is that this movie gets gets us to ponder the age old question. What would you end up doing if you knew you couldn't get caught? Mm -hmm. And what so often the movies do, Scott, you said it so beautifully, is these kinds of films usually move from a state of innocence to a state of wickedness. And that's okay. We can see that. But that's not reality. The the reality, from a Christian worldview, is that we are moving from a sin nature to a worse sin nature, as it were. Uh, We're moving from evil to evil. And that's what I loved about the way that this movie demonstrated the character of Adrian. He was already a bad guy. Yeah, he was he was abusive. He he was tormenting his girlfriend. And the suit simply provided him another layer of exhibiting what was already in him, a desire to get his own way at all costs, and physical violence and emotional violence and whatnot. And it, it really is an interesting twist on the idea of going from innocence to wickedness uh, as much as highlighting what is already there in the human heart which brings about of course the need the need for a redeemer someone to twist that turn that around uh, so that we're actually going from wickedness to righteousness and the film has a beautiful job of demonstrating that danny what do you think
0: uh, no, i agree with you completely i was actually sitting here trying to uh Scott mentioned the, the novel, and it has been 40 years since I've read it, probably. Uh, I was trying to, I, I know there's a crime spree in the novel, but I, I really don't think, uh, I think it really is about his power corrupting uh, rather than him starting out bad. So this is very different in that you're giving an evil man that power, which uh, in a lot of ways just you know grows his evil exponentially, okay. you know, the threat of him exponentially, at least.
2: Did the suit give him super strength too? Because you know, when he finally starts to physically abuse her, uh, wearing the suit, he lifts her off the ground like three feet, holds her up in the air by her throat, and uh, and throws her across the room. Yeah, Did, that
0: was a little unbelievable. That I was unbelievable. unbelievable. there are yeah. a couple. Of, you know, once the uh, combat starts and uh, you know some of the action scenes get set up, there was some stuff that bothered me. Uh, including the ending that we've already, you know, talked about, where she uses a suit. I don't know if I could put on a suit and figure out how to use this high-tech invisibility suit uh, in, you know, th- three minutes, uh, right. which she apparently manages to do.
1: Yeah, the ending is definitely, definitely has some problems. Uh, but Scott, when you that scene, you're absolutely right. I don't think the suit is supposed to give him. Uh, increased power. I, I don't think that was the intent. But when she, when he picked her up like that and threw her, you know what I thought of? Hmm. I thought of Star Wars A New Hope when, when Vader comes in <laughs> and picks up whoever the guy was, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, after Leia says, it just kills the dude and throws him to the side. It was like a Darth Vader moment, wasn't it? Just yeah. picks her up, man. What's going on here? And then basically has his way with James, although that one was more believable because James just couldn't see him, right? And you obviously are going to have Uh, an advantage. And Adrian seemed to be a pretty well-built guy uh, as well. There's there's... a little bit
0: of the, uh, I thought, I'm continuing that thematic uh, problem with believability. uh, The way he takes out uh, all of the police and guards at the uh, psychiatric ward uh, is just a little too much. No, it's it's much more than just a little too much. It was very unbelievable. Um, So I, I do think the film falls apart a little bit at the end, uh, loses its connection to sort of a physical world in a way that, that undermines it a bit, but, but not enough that I still didn't really enjoy it.
1: Ask me this, am I the only one that did this? At a couple of points in the film, when he was in close quarters, he was invisible, but he was in a small room or he was really close to Cecilia or someone else. There was a couple of times that I put myself in Adrian's position and I was thinking this would make me uncomfortable. I would be nervous. That i'm either going to be caught or they're just going to start swinging wildly with some weapon or something it would be hard to get away because he wasn't really invisible i mean he, he again this the suit did not change his molecular structure right mm-hmm. he he can't walk through walls he can't walk through doors he's gonna if he touches something it's going to react it's going to knock over did you guys ever do that like how if she just starts going crazy with a knife or something it's possible that he he can't get out of the way and he would actually get hurt
0: you ever put had, yourself
1: in his, his shoes like that?
0: I actually had a different reaction in that, in, in those moments, I was thinking, you know, he's probably not even in that room because <laughs> there's a lot of times that, you know, she may think he's there watching, but there's no way for anyone to know because, you know, he's invisible. I thought that was actually really a kind of a neat concept constantly, like, you know, in the, uh, in the police station, uh, when she's sending across, uh, I've lost the cop's name uh, when she's sitting across from him. And you're like, you know, she thinks he's in the room right now listening to their discussion, but he, you know, he could be back home. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I just think if, if I had a suit on and I went into, I don't know, I guess I'm just too much of a security cat. Like I'd be afraid I'd get caught and then I couldn't really go anywhere because I'm not really able to just, Poof! Disappear. I'm still just a human. You know what I mean?
2: Well, at least with this uh, approach to the invisibility, he's wearing a suit. Whereas with Hollow Man or H. Wills, the guy's naked. You know, because if he puts on clothes, you're going to see him walk. You're going to see him. So he has right. to be naked and walking around. That's vulnerability. At least this, he can have his. You know, he can have his workout clothes on underneath his underneath the suit and maybe feel a little more invincible. <laughs>
0: It's funny. Uh, we haven't discussed at all the, uh, the brother, the no. lawyer character yeah. who may or may not sometimes be the person in the suit that's tormenting her. That, do you, yeah. did you ever, did you come down on, did you think he was actually involved at times? Couldn't he have been the one that killed her sister?
1: Yeah, I wrote that down. I didn't know if that was a question we wanted to get into.
0: Uh I, I I don't know if you can know. I you can make
1: wondering. the case, you know, it was Tom the whole time, if you wanted to, but I think well, that's clearly not there's right. There's a
2: couple times where he speaks to her. Yeah. You know, like where you know there's there's one or two times where he says something like surprise or he says yeah. things to her. So I think he's it is Adrian for a lot of it. But the way I took it is that Tom, the brother who was wearing another suit. There was, we know there's at least two suits. He was wearing the other suit when he went in and attacked James and Sydney, and that's when C shoots him a bunch of times, and it turns out not to be Adrian. Um, but It was my I, take that was the only time Tom was in the suit. That's what I thought, too. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's fine. Um, that's definitely possible.
1: So the final scene, he does give the key... He, he answers her question without answering the question, right? So he was, uh, you know, deceptive enough to be able to let her know, yeah, it was me, without just totally giving it away. Um, do you think that he knew she had a mic on, you know? Do, was he suspicious of what was going on with her? Because if, if he was going to say, use the word surprise in that way, which would have let her know okay yeah, it was him why not just come out and be like okay or is he just not willing to admit it to that degree but he's still willing to let the cat out of the bag how did you interpret that that surprise word that he used at the dinner table at the end
0: if he didn't know she was uh she was wired he's never seen a movie No, <laughs> it was i mean it was pretty obvious that she was doing the very cliche, get a confession out of someone on tape thing at the end
1: of the movie. Yeah, she wasn't really nuanced about it, was she? It was, no, no. like, I just want to know, you know, was it really you? It, right. oh, oh.
2: I want you to admit, say out loud. Could this, you please state, this my name is Adrian. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, so, you know, if, if our listeners don't know what we're talking about, I mean, so um, she shoots this Tom, he's dead, and then the SWAT team show up at the mansion and they find Adrian tied up in the basement, you know, in a closet or something. And he's making the story that he's been tied up by his brother all this time and she knows better. And But, you know, that's the narrative. And then he invites her over for dinner because he wants to get back together. And he's acting all shy and nervous and everything. I mean, it was, yeah, and she's wired. But then she has other plans of her own. So let's
1: talk about the very ending. Um, Danny, it seems like you were pretty committed to having problems with this. So why don't you start with, you know, lay lay out what your concerns are
0: here. First of all, I have absolutely no problem with the the film ends with her, you know, uh, turning the tables and killing her abuser. And I'm all for it. I was hoping from the very first scene that that's how the movie would end. The problem is logically... I don't That's so what she does is she leaves the table. She zips down gets inside of his extra invisibility suit uh, turns herself invisible using the suit comes back and uh, kind of recreates the scene where her sister is killed by uh, mm-hmm. by slicing his throat in a way that makes it look like he has killed himself. Uh, I just I have a hard time believing that such advanced technology would be uh, worked so easily off the rack. I actually, just slid into it and you know, knew how to use it, and, that, and that's basically it. And that, that just that bit of unbelievability un- just undercuts the impact of the scene for me.
1: Okay, here is my question, and Scott. Maybe you'll be the one, uh, the three of us who can answer this the best because you've seen it most recently. But wouldn't there have been a moment? So, so again, just to clarify this for our listeners, there is a security camera that is filming this. Right. And she is invisible, so she's not on the camera, of course. And then as Adrian is dying, she's off camera. You can't see her. And she's basically looking at him like, this is what you deserve, which, as Danny says, I have no problem with that. But wouldn't there have been a moment when the knife would have been floating in midair? <laughs> and then it was put in his hand, and then he kills himself? Aren't the detectives who watch this video gonna be like, why is the knife floating in midair? Or, did it, or, or was it already in his hand for some reason? But that doesn't make any sense. Why would he just be randomly holding a knife? So do you remember, Scott?
2: What did that look like? Well, you know when, when so when, earlier, when Adrian is in the invisibility suit and he kills sister Emily, that's yeah. what happens. The knife Wait, is yeah. there in the air, and they're both looking at it, and then it swings over and slits her throat real fast. While uh, C is trying to explain, you know, what's really going on, and and then they're in a crowded rest. Then he puts the knife in, in C's hand, and they're in a crowded restaurant, and people start schem- screaming, and they assume she killed her right because they didn't see anybody else. Yeah, when 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 that happened at the end, where she killed Adrian by making it look like he slit his own throat, I thought that was unrealistic, obviously because. Not to, you know, give it less, accept the invisibility suit. But how do you, yeah, how do you, he's a strong guy. He did look like a strong man and she's, you know, not probably as physically strong. And she forced his hand, put the knife in his hand, forced it up to his neck to slit his throat. And he doesn't resist or jump out of the chair. Or maybe he does resist, but he's not successful. I I didn't buy it either. I don't. Yeah, I. The the knife did not float up. It, it looked to me like he just grabbed it and drew, drew it across his throat. But if she, but if that were the case,
1: then she would have had because that makes sense. But then she would have had to grab his hand and make him grab the knife. Something like that. right? Yeah. And, and that's not realistic.
0: So maybe the suit that. does give super strength.
1: Now we're back to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: That's I don't true. That. But I will yeah. say that you know. I, that did you know, leave the film on just a little sour taste for me, but I still think the overall impact of it, it did not completely undermine the film or anything. It just, it's just, you knew the ending, it, it had to happen some way. Uh, and it, visually it was an arresting way of doing it, yes. uh, but it didn't quite have that impact. It didn't have the impact. Uh, you all were talking about old nineties, uh, thrillers about abusive men. But, uh, if you remember double jeopardy, uh, that, you know, where she uh, Ashley Judd's character kills him at the end, and you know she can't be charged with murder because it would be double jeopardy. Which, by mm-hmm. the way, that is that isn't the way the law works. But mm-hmm. again, uh, that had impact, right? Uh, and, and this did not have that kind of impact because of the unbelievability of it.
1: Yeah, it's like you say, it's, it's a neat ending. You know, it, it's a great gotcha. And I guess if you're watching a movie about someone who's invisible, they're like, well, you can suspend this this belief long enough to you know enjoy the ending and not worry about it but i'm with you it just it left a a fantastic movie one that i fully recommend just a little bit oh okay well that's okay i guess it's still just a fantastic movie what else anything else you guys want to highlight before we sign off tonight Mm, uh
2: no i mean there's a lot of um there's a lot of probably plot things we could dive into, but nothing. I think we covered all the big stuff. Um, I just, yeah, I I recommend it. I think people should see it with the trigger warning that if, you know, it is kind of intense, especially if you've had uh, been in some kind of abusive relationship too.
1: Let me just ask the question one more time. I brought it up briefly in my synopsis. Uh, We didn't talk about this yet, but when Tom comes to the mental hospital and you know basically admits yes Adrian has been doing all of this and everything can go away you can get out of this place all you have to do is go back to him you, you just have to sign here what, what's happening there like who has the authority to just say well I want my wife to come back home to me even though technically I'm dead and so I'm going to have to explain why I faked my own suicide if I'm Creating some legal document here, where she comes back. Like, what was happening there?
2: Did I just well, miss he, something? Or yeah, as I recall, Tom said something about them disappearing, that they would go away. That you know, like, yeah, he can't. Adrian can't emerge because he's, you know, he's been cremated. He can't go back to his life. What? What? He said something. It was a passing remark, but he said something about. You know, because she was pregnant, right? I mean, that's a whole subtheme we didn't we didn't touch on. But she's pregnant with Adrian's baby that she didn't want to be, but she is. And he's like, keep the baby, get back together with Adrian, and you guys can take money and disappear, and you know, it'll you can have your own a different life again, something like that. That's how, I mean, that's how I, what I caught.
1: Well, I know, but what does that even mean? Like, they're going to come and break her out of the mental
2: hospital. I don't know. And
1: why does she have to sign a document? Who's going to read the <laughs> official document? You know, right. if the idea is they're disappearing to a deserted island. Yeah. Why? Or?
0: Why do you need the document if uh, if you're going to have to fall off the grid anyway? True. Yeah. The um I, the the child subplot to the pregnancy subplot I thought was really powerful and you know and tracked with the real world right with, with abusers trying to use. Uh, you know, children to, to keep their, uh, keep their victim close and, to you know, keep them, uh, control them. Uh, that, that again, spoke to, uh, spoke to the real world in a way that, you know, could easily, you know, be emotionally damaging to someone watching it.
1: Yeah. And, you know, another aspect of that, Danny, that's so realistic is when someone says to Cecilia, they say, I don't remember exactly how it was worded, but they say, do you really think that Adrian would not have known yeah. that you were taking birth control. Oh, that was so haunting, wasn't it? Because that's so true of an abuser. Like you don't you don't have a life to yourself. There's no way he would not have known that that was true. That was very powerful. Yeah. Well, that's the invisible man 2020. All three of us give it a thumbs up and recommend it with the caveats that we have mentioned. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We're going to take a little bit of a break, not long though. And we will be back with The Blackest Eyes, uh, season one, with the first season dedicated to The Exorcist and its offspring. We're going to be talking all about exorcism movies. It's going to be a blast. And we really want you to be with us, joining in on the conversation and uh, letting us know what you think about the films that we will be reviewing. Thanks for being with us and supporting the site. Let your friends know what's going on over here at theblackesteyes.com. And until then, we will see you next time. Stay scared out there and take care.